Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and this is your source for conversations on arts and culture. Uh, today, I am speaking with filmmakers Adam Rogers and Tom Ventimiglia of the comedy series Turf Valley. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hey, Rob. Thank you. How's it going well? Uh, so, I want to start off by one, you know, I, I, I like the idea. I like the idea behind Turf Valley. We have some questions around that a little bit later um, because I might have a spinoff that my partner and her kid were talking about doing called That Ain't It. I might I might have to tell you about it a little bit. But um, if you will, could you um, introduce yourselves and ultimately how did the two of you link up and, and come to bring this project together? Sure, sure. Well, um uh, thank you, Rob. We're, we're, we're thrilled to, to join you here. Um, Adam Rogers. Uh, uh, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a dad. I, uh, I teach screenwriting at Johns Hopkins. Uh, I think I'm a good neighbor. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's become really important in my life, I think. Possibly. Um, and Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Tom Ventimiglia, and uh, I'm originally from New York, and I teach at the Baltimore School for the Arts. I've been teaching there for 15 years. Um, and, uh, you know, so I was teaching screenwriting. We, uh, my uh, colleague and friend, Bia Bufrahi, we started the film department at the Baltimore School for the Arts. And I was teaching a lot of screenwriting. And then Adam had come to town, I had heard, uh, through the grapevine. So I figured, well, I'll do the professional thing and I'll reach out and say hello. So we ended up grabbing a, a pizza at Joe Squared. And we had, we really hit it off really nicely. And uh, I, I could tell we were going to be good friends because there was a stu film student at Hopkins, like doing interviews on the corner of like North and something. Yeah, they and, they stopped us. That's right. They were yeah, like, they, hey, you guys have a minute. We were like, sure. Yeah. And then we, we both started like telling the same lie. Like, we just, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, he's hamming it up with me. So yeah, pretty soon, you know, you know, that's what happens when you're with creative people. You know, they say, hey, I've got this little project. What do you think? And that's how I got it. And I think, wasn't it right around COVID too, Tom? I'm pretty sure. Was, was it Was it right before, right after? Right before. It was all, we didn't even know. Yeah, COVID wasn't a word yet. But yeah, then, it wasn't a word. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's 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 great. And that's one of those questions that I, I generally ask of around like, you know, being in the company of other creatives and being in that that neighborhood, right? Like you mentioned Joe Square. That's that's a place where meetings happen. You know, it's like people that's are right. are sharing conversations and sharing ideas over a slice or several slices. Um what was the flavor? What what type of pizza was it? Um I Yeah, I think we had wings of beer. Okay. Okay. So the wings and beer. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I usually do the mozzarella <laughs> sticks as well. I do the mozzarella sticks when I go there. So you know, not to, we're going to go into some other questions in a bit, but I want to start off by, you know, talking about the story behind Turf Valley. Let's, let's talk about that. So we, we have that out there and, um, because it's, it's a series, a comedy series. So let's talk about that a bit. Yeah. Well, um, well, just a little background too. Like I grew up in, in, in Baltimore and then, you know, but after high school, I left, I went to college, I went to, went to New York for grad school and eventually got to LA. So I, I like never got to live in Maryland as a grown up, you know? So finally, um, in 2018, I moved back. And one of the, one of the first thing that just like charmed me is that in my new neighborhood, first of all, the, the kid's bus stop was literally across the street from my house. And, and that like, was non-existent in LA. Like, like, you know, I don't know if you've spent time there, but basically the ritual 
in Los Angeles is you, you get your kids in the car, you drive them to school, you know, and then <laughs> it's like landing Omaha beach. It's like all these cars are trying <laughs> to pull up in front of the, you know, front of the entrance way. And you got parents like doing hand signals and opening doors and trying <laughs> to escape the whole, the whole thing without injury. Right. And so all of a sudden, like, um, you know, it's, it's wake up and, and grab them by the hand and walk them to the corner. And, uh, and so I was just kind of charmed by that. And then, you know, the bus would, would leave and everybody would wave. And then, and then what I was discovering is the moms would all kind of, kind of escape, you know, go to work and get, get on with their lives. But the dads were like hanging back. (laughs) (laughs) And, and there was this, there was a subtext to it. Like, like on the surface, we were talking about, you know, the game last night or, you know, or the movie or what's going on at work. But, but the subtext that like underneath of it was like, please don't leave this corner. You know, like I need, <laughs> I need, I need some, some, don't some leave me, man. So, and that just, so I pitched this to Todd. It was just inherently funny to me, you know, I think. And yeah, I was like, they don't even know I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Then, you know, what ended up happening was that I guess, you know, it was summer and it was right. I think at the start of COVID um, and my wife is a pretty, you know, she, she works in the private sector. She's, you know, COVID did not interrupt their workflow at all. Um, where I was, I'm a teacher, so I had the summer off plus the whole world was ending. So people were always <laughs> like, you know, so suddenly I found myself like really like, like completely in childcare. Like I was doing childcare completely. So while I think that Adam's original impetus for the story was this, like this third place, that people can meet and, you know, and chat and, and, you know, in the suburbs, especially because, you know, there aren't like a bar at the corner or someplace, you know, where, you know, these informal places, I was coming at it more from the, like the dad experience, the dad stress, the dad hustle, you know, and that's kind of was, that's how that show sort of like merged into the show. Okay. Yeah. That, that, That makes, that makes sense. And I think being able to, have these these different pieces or these different areas of like background and perspectives bringing that together is like oh yeah this is collaboration this is this is what this looks like and this is um, what it looks like yeah no that's that's big and i've i've like with with this and because I always try to find like that common ground where it's like all right from a creative standpoint how does this look and how does this correlate I've like, you know, as I was, you know, kind of expressing earlier when I started, I was doing it with like people I was regularly recording with. So you would have some sense like, okay, does this work? Is this Mm -hmm. funny? What do you think about this perspective? And now it's kind of less of that because it's really a solo thing. And I'll, you know, pretty much the process is here's some questions. You good with these? Let's get it rocking. (laughs) And um, but I I still kind of crave that. I crave that collaboration because I think true uh, creativity kind of comes from that you can have your your own perspective but it's kind of in a silo but i think when you're able to work with someone else and say you know what this is a funny observation yeah you know what being a dad does have this in there or being an artist does have this in there i think new ideas come from that it's like individual ideas and then shared ideas develop yeah that's right not and, and i you know uh one of the things that tom and i kind of discovered about each other very quickly is that we we liked working that way you know it sounds like yeah. you know uh, you have, you, you've had those experience too. And just so, you know, uh, being able to ping pong ideas back and forth, um, it was, it was very natural. And, and, and in my experience, and I've, I've, 
uh, yeah, I've had a long-standing partnership uh, with a good friend I went to at NYU and 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 others, and uh, it's it's just uh, I think I think you can be at your best. You can just get something greater than than you imagine if you're open to it. So that 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 was very exciting to to Tom and me as well. I think uh, that's I would say that that was part of the reason why I transitioned to film. Uh, some years ago, because, you know, I, before that, I, my idea of being a writer was writing fiction only and writing short stories and novels and being alone all day long and, you know, reading my own work and, you know, and, you know, after a while, you're like, man, I just want to hang out with people. It doesn't have to be all about me, yeah. you know, and now, I mean, this project in particular, like, basically, at every turn, there was some talented person who showed up and was amazing at what they did. And I was just like, oh, man, just, yeah, go. You know, that started from the beginning. Emma Ayala did all our um, graphic design work. And, you know, she was like, we were just like, that's that's exactly it. Awesome. <laughs> Moving forward. And it's like one person after another. It was just yeah. the best, you know. Yeah, and you don't have to be. That's the pleasure of being on a team. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, have, having those, those ideas. And I, I do crave that. Like, I've started doing more like public things or what have you, like I've done movie screenings and I've been trying to organize different kind of community organized like events. Like uh, there's, there's a few, I don't want to jinx yet, but just trying to, <laughs> trying to be out there and trying to just really chase a whimsy. And I'm like, I know people are going to like this. It's like, yeah. you know, bouncing it off a few people that you trust and you're like, I think you get it. And trying to be collaborative in that way. And that's the word. That's what you just said. The word, which is chase. I think like what we're talking about really was, yeah, at the end of the day, it was the it was the focus of the show. It was about a bunch of dads sort of hanging back on the corner, trying to chase some you know whatever idea you know that's right occurred to them, you know, and sort of like trying to explore you know something they were curious about or something they were mystified about, you know, or you know, or, or just simply confused about, you know, um, and and but but chasing it together. So the, the, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, Tom, I think the sort of the whole premise is kind of about this collab totally. collaborative spirit, you know, even among neighbors or whatever. Oh man, that's so true. I, I want to <laughs> I I th throw this one out there because I, I read something about the term dadness. So if you could define <laughs> what dadness is, if, you, if I want to hear both your perspectives. We're going to be pinging ponging us here. Define dadness for me. If you can, as briefly as you can define dadness for me, because I, I, I'm not a dad. So I, 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 you know, that's, that is a knowledge gap for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll, um, look, you know, I don't think, you know, you can only speak from your own perspective. Right. Sure. And from, I mean, so I, but for me, you know, dads were at least in my house, you know, my dad was, you know, a very, a very bright, very sophisticated guy, but easily, the most easy, easy to make fun of person in the household, <laughs> honestly. And, you know, we could literally just, just destroy him every day and every night at dinner. And, um, you know, what I realized, my dad said to me, he's like, you know, to be a dad, like when I had my first child, he's like, you, you know, you have to have a lot of self-esteem, you know? And I realized that he was like taking this kind of abuse from all of us with a smile on his face because, for him, that was like he was going to be, he could take it. So that's where that yeah. phrase or our show, you yeah. know, you can laugh at dads. Dads can take it. Because, yeah. you know, at the same time, we're in that, because, by the way, dads kind of always look kind of foolish with their, you know, and they're just, you know, there's something <laughs> foolish about being a dad and something noble. So yeah. that to me is that foolish and noble at the same time. I don't know. Something to that effect. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it's, uh, um, you know, it's this paradox, right? You're, you know, the dad, the essence of dad, you know, from, from eons ago was sort of of, you know, strength and, 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 uh, maturity and, and, um, uh, you know, coherent, yeah, yeah. sober, things, serious, you know, all these things. But like the, the, the truth is when you become a dad, if you, if you surrender to it, if you're vulnerable, yeah. you, you know, the, the love and the joy and the, and the laughter, I mean, it just, it just comes at you, you know, in waves and, and, you know, and I, you know, the way I'm built, I think the way Tom is built, you just, you just sort of love to swim in it. So, so it's sort of, again, like this, you know, that's what's, and that's, what's funny, right? Because you're, you've got all this to, to live up to, but yet it's, it's very funny and very joyful and very uh, supportive is the other thing. Like I have, I thought about your, thinking about your, your question there, Rob, like I have this, this is great photograph of my dad. I just adore it's, 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 I'm dating myself, but it's probably 68 or 69. And he's standing there with these Ray-Bans and this cool haircut <laughs> you know, he's sort of a little bit of a hipster and he's standing there on the beach and, and I'm, and he's just holding me up with like one arm, like, like it's this great show of easy strength, you yeah. know, and, and cool, but yeah. also, like, but I, I think the, I think dads are just, if you're doing it right, you just sort of, it just sort of like, you know, you get to be supportive of people and not just your own kids, but it's, sort yeah, of, it's the best. Up, it opens up a world of like, co co you know, kind of collaboration and, helping people self-realize or something like that. So I think, I don't know, we're, I don't know if we're getting closer at it, but I, you know, that's kind of what it is. But to us. The thing, I think the thing is that also it's, you know, it's changed pretty much. It's yeah, changed, yeah. you know, pretty radically in society. And, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of, you know, you know, during that summer where we were writing the episodes, I was spending all the time at the pool and I, you know, with my kids and uh, over at Meadowbrook and, you know, I think it was me and two other dads were with our kids and the whole rest of the pool, you know, were moms. Yeah. And so there we were kind of just like, you know, both having to confront maybe some like, you know, inherited social norms or something at the same time while, you know, trying to be yourself. And also, you know, while listening to the, you know, the, the many podcasts that will have, you know, <laughs> certain, you know, you've got to be the best. You've got to try harder. You know, this society we live in, which yeah. is so type A, you know? Yeah. So I, to me, it's just, you know, actually, I mean, honestly, I will say that it is not over, I don't want to overstate it, but like definitely making the show, I feel like, in some weird way has made me a better dad. Cause now I'm like, I'm very kid centric really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I find that the, the closest, you know, when people talk about having the, uh, I, I don't know if there is a, a phrase for the dad side of it, but I suppose when someone's like, oh, this is the um, the house mom, this is the store mom or having the person that's kind of organizing and maintaining things and providing that structure and providing that that support and that capacity. I think that's that's what I provide to the people that I work with regularly. Mm -hmm. and I have a ridiculous customized jersey that I wore during a screening <laughs> of Major League Two that says wave daddy <laughs> on the back because I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> and uh, and, and my, my, uh, my partner, she, she always like, yeah, you're kind of a dad, but not really. She's like, <laughs> you're a little too cool right now. Yeah. She's like, you need to be a little cornier. Yeah. And I was you like, have to be oh. humbled. 
<laughs> yes, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. And as I become balder and I become more like of a target of like shots to my self-esteem, I, so I definitely felt that. It's like, oh, Rob, you're pretty whack. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, in, a, in the best possible way, though, Rob, you're like more than halfway there. You're you're prone. <laughs> you've got all the ingredients. I mean, I'm always wearing Carhartt, you know, just the socks are getting longer. The, I, the, shot, the socks are shown. They're not no-show socks anymore. So it's getting there. It's, it's getting there. A lot of new balances. Um, so let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about um, – this is, this is a question that always um, interests me because I like these kind of unique traits that makes – that, that someone applies like from maybe their background, their lived experience to their work, like that strangeness, right? So how do you, do you embrace your strangeness and those qualities that make you unique to your field and, and, and putting together Turf Valley and writing generally and in teaching and, and any of the stuff that you're doing, what are those traits that make you, you, that make you great at what you do? Yeah, I give, I give my, I give my strangeness a bear hug daily, <laughs> but it gets easier to do that. The older you get too. you know, I think when you're a younger man, a younger artist, whatever, it's a little bit, you know, you're also competing with your egos, you know, sort of developing and you're, uh, and you're, you're sort of protective of, of yourself in a different way. But, um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of strange in turf Valley, a lot of absurd, a lot of absurdity, um, which Tom and I were both a fan of, you know, like we talked, this is going to get really weird, but like we talked about, uh, you know, Samuel Beckett and, and waiting for Godot, you know, like when, when we were making this, you know, yeah, the right. story is essentially. Rose and Krantz and Gillinson are dead. Tom Stompard. We were talking about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. These, these, these sort of, uh, great characters in literature who were sort of, it's sort of, you know, usually a couple of men sort of in desperate situations, not fully realizing how awful it is and trying to find answers and, and, um, and, and sort of stave off, you know, you know, the storms and keeping each other amused. And so there was a lot of that kind of laughing, despite all the, all the horror around you, there was sort of that. And I think Tom and I are kind of share, share that point of view. So that, that's kind of strange. And we, we really felt like we wanted to get that in, into the show, you know, that it was, it was dad comedy and people are familiar with that uh, and comfortable with that, but we wanted to tweak it a little bit, you know, uh, in, in conversationally and in terms of the storylines, you know? Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's true. It's true because you know, that you know, you say strangeness and what I think of is that, you know, how important it is to embrace your strangeness and how strange you yeah. feel, because honestly, you know, I like, you know, if I were with the, I would often feel very like the absurd, right? Where you're like sort of engaging a lot of practices, which you don't necessarily believe in, but you're doing it because that's the social convention, True. you know? So like, that was part of like our thinking along the, the idea of like episode one, we're talking about, you know, Charles Mann, we have an NFL star and we have, you know, guys who love sports and they love sports heroes and the way they talk about sports, you know, that was the strangeness of those experiences as growing up and then say, okay, that that's okay. That's a, you know, I can make fun of that a little bit because it's in myself, but it's also the other people that I've experienced in my life. So yeah, that's kind of it. You just embrace the strange, even living in the suburbs. I mean, there's really, you know, it, 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 you know, suburban life is strange, yes. um, <laughs> and, you know, and is, is, and it's not, uh, it's not something you need necessarily to judge, 
rather it's something that you look at and just sort of like you know you know experience yeah yeah i i like one one of the things i always get and i had to just accept it i had to just accept the, the l if you will um i you know there's a certain degree of fun that's made about like me being me being a podcaster and that's very it's really associated with my personality type these days and i almost speak in segments sometimes i was like i'll never get credit for this but so i remember my girlfriend was like your new podcast is called i'll never get credit for this but i was like can you can you stop or um you know just just different things like that it's just things that i regularly say and she was just like yeah just make that a segment in your podcast because this is just how you go about things. This is how you live naturally. But this this is what I do to preface things. And it's, it's not necessarily a hot take at times, but it's more of a, this is just how I see things. I, I am, I'm, I'm observant. I, I look at things and I see them mm-hmm. and that's just a trait for me. So <clears throat> that makes so you it, a little bit the outsider. Yes. Always. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So if I were to get into, let's say, putting together that, that series I may have referenced earlier, <laughs> it's going to have maybe reference to something that is very obscure, but it's like, oh, he's going to turn it on his head. He's going to turn it mm-hmm. to the side. He's going to make it from this perspective as a, a black man in his late thirties, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing that's going to work just my experience and how I'm going to maybe transition it. So I would imagine it's very similar that maybe some of the things that you've read or some of the things that you're into artists that you're into, it works itself into Turf Valley. Yeah, that's so funny you said that because I, I, there's a there's an element to Turf Valley that's that we sort of discover that's very mysterious, you know, like yeah. <laughs> like, and I think I think it kind of uh, it kind of just happened organically because you know if you think about it, you know if you if you totally buy into the to the idea of the suburbs, um, you're you're not able to appreciate the strange. So so our characters kind of and we embody that's that right. in one of our characters, Howard. You know, he's the guy with the stroller and. You know, he's a U.S. Williams. Yeah, Jason's a, amazing, an amazing talent. But you know, questioning, curious. You know that there's be suspicious. Stuff, be suspicious. Yeah, just it's healthy to be suspicious. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. And, uh, and I think maybe that's true of all artists. You know, who quite, sort of exist in these systems, right? But also are sort of a little bit outside it, or a lot outside it. That's totally true. And are. Uh, and that's what makes for the tension, you know, is you're, you're sort of, you're, you're sort of buying into it up to a point, but you're also, you know, kind of like pointing at this and saying, come on, that's, can we what all we admit doing? how weird that is? Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, weird. <laughs> but, um, so we tried to get, we, yeah, we, we consciously got that. I was also, there, there's this, uh, filmmaker, his name is Alexander Payne. He made sideways. I don't know if you've seen that movie yeah. and, uh, a bunch of others, but he somewhere along the line, he said, look, as an artist, you gotta, you gotta retain your 5%, you know, 5% of just weird, strange, Mm -hmm. inexplicable stuff that you just love that you want to keep in your work. You know, even, even if people are questioning why it's there or trying to rationalize, you know, you know, I just like that, you know, and I think, I think we, I think we had that percentage, maybe even a little more at times, but. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, sure. I'm aiming for 15, aiming for 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you probably get like a lot of people, Rob, asking you like, oh, you should put this on your podcast. Oh, you should put this on your podcast. Yeah. Always, and we always. get a lot of that too. We get a lot of, uh, oh, this you should put this, you should, you should put this as an episode of your show. Because then what you realize is that what you're, what you're doing by making like a Turf Valley or, or a podcast is that you're impacting people to see things differently. And mm-hmm. suddenly they're beginning to see their own lives as, 
quasi absurdist dr- drama. And you know, you're like, oh, there you go. You're on. You're on to it. <laughs> um, so in, in this this one, I want um, I, I want to pitch this one to Adam real quick. Uh, so I read that you worked in Hollywood for for 20 years uh, or 20 plus years, I guess. Could you describe what that experience was like, and would you bring into like from that experience, how would you apply that to your, your work with Turf Valley or your work, like just like current work, I guess? Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was just a great, great ride. And uh, when we, so I, after college, I went to, I went to NYU sort of in the, in the early nineties and it was sort of like, uh, it, it just, it was just the center of the universe for me, you know, it was, it was getting to run around the city and making movies and then, and then I didn't really question it, but I just sort of all of us had the aspiration to kind of like get out to L.A. and, and you know, you know, get our at bats, you know, and and, uh, like and and but no one really told us how to do it. And, you know, there was no really no real guidance. <laughs> it was sort of like, you know, we just sort of all had a, a very healthy state of denial, you know, that we, we would we would somehow figure it out. Right. And uh, so. So, yeah, I, mo- I moved out there um, and. Uh, you know, everybody who goes out there for the first time, if you want to be a writer or a director, you sort of go through these phases, you know, where, uh, first of all, no one knows, knows you and nothing happens. That, that's sort of the first phase. Um, and then, you know, you'll start to, you know, you meet people at parties. Maybe you'll start to get a meeting or two, um, you know, with a production company and all that sort of happened. And, and then you just, you know, keep working. You write script after script after script. And, I don't know, two, three, four years into this process, you sell something. And that finally happened. And I still remember like the, the number. It was like it was like twenty-three thousand six hundred and seventy-eight dollars and twelve cents for a, you know, and, and I, I mean I called called my fa- every family member I knew. Like I was like, I made it. I got paid to write something, you know. It was like it was miraculous. And then and then again, you you sort of get into the system a little more. And then eventually we really broke through. I wrote with a buddy of mine from NYU named Glenn German. And uh, um, our, our real breakthrough was we sold, we sold a script. It was a buddy comedy, um, a little bit like midnight run, you know, kind of thing, but we sold that to universal, Nice, you know, for, it was just a big payday and it made all the, the trades, you know, variety and Hollywood reporter. And all of a sudden, you know, we were, we were really employable and kind of, um, you know, able to sort of take, take a lot of meetings at studios. And so it was, it was, I was so grateful and, and it was just, a um, a, a charmed period, you know, where we were, we were working, we're selling scripts and selling pitches and you know, driving a Paramount and driving a Warner brothers. And, you know, but, but to keep ourselves human, like we, we always saved those, you got to drive on pass when you go into the, into the uh, studio, you know, they hand you a little, a little, a little, a little security pass. And we just kept all of them so that we never forget, you know, this is, this is a lot of fun. Um, and, but, but, the, but the, the truth is that we were, we were writing a lot and we were sort of making a living and you know, we getting our health insurance and, and so forth. But, but the way it works, you know, if you're a Hollywood screenwriter, like very little of your stuff necessarily will get made, you know, you're writing scripts, but, um, we had we had one little TV movie made with Charles Dutton, who's who's a Baltimore guy and yeah. uh, an amazing talent, and uh, that was sort of a true life story about a 
this, this prison guard who, who, who was a track star. But anyway, we, so we, you know, that we had that experience, but a lot of our stuff was like, you know, you know, it, 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 had, it had sold, but not, you know, wasn't going to, wasn't going to get made into a big studio film. So that we, we kind of pivoted at that point. We're like, what can we do that will, um, you know, that allow us to get some agency back in our lives, you sure. know, where we can be filmmakers again. I'm sorry, Rob, too. I'm going along as a long answer your question but we 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 wrote a little indie film we got that financed we got andy garcia in it and vera farmiga and i got to direct that and uh and and it was it was it was so meaningful fulfilling because we were i was making a movie again you know it wasn't not that writing isn't great but it was it was a chance to sort of you know work all those muscles and um um and so so yeah i got to sort of touch all those bases out in hollywood and eventually um, you know, I, you know, the family was sort of pulling me back here, my mom and dad, and, uh, my older daughter had gone to college at St. John's in Annapolis. So, um, so it's still a, 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 a an important part of my life, you know, those kinds of projects. But, but, uh, I think the, the, the lesson I learned from Matt Middleton, that was the, that was the independent feature I made was the, the feeling of never stop making. If you, if you want to call yourself a filmmaker, you yeah. got to keep making stuff. Yeah. And, and so that's why Tur Valley was so, so exciting. It was just a chance to, you know, even in the middle of, you know, this worldwide <laughs> event to, to try to do something, try to put something fun into the world. And, um, uh, and, and so I think your question, Rob, is I think, I think there's certain work ethic I developed in Hollywood, a certain, um, level of professionalism that I aspired to and that I, that would became very important to me, you know, um, it's a company town and everybody's, you know, really developing that kind of level of, of, um, of, of, uh, of, of work. And so, so that was fun coming back. I, I don't think I lost that. And I think that sort of informs what I, I'm always trying to be my best and, and find people who want to want to be their best. And so, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and obviously all the experiences, you know, the, the, the collaboration and the, um, and the stimulation, you know, it's great about LA. Uh, cause you know, look, you're, you're the little league, you're a little league dad, but the, you know, the, the umpire is an editor and the first base coach is a you know, cinematographer. I mean, I love, the, I love the baseball comparisons. I love it. I'm loving it. I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. The Orioles are breaking 500, but yeah. And so, so it was, it was a great, great ride. And, um, and, and it's still fun to try to, you know, take a, you know, take a spin on it. Um, and um and keep those projects alive but but maryland it, 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 was, it was it's just been great to be back you yeah. know and uh um and so you, you can't take la completely out of the boy but but uh but it's nice to be it's nice to be here i dig that yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that i, I think uh i think when you know, like every now and again, and one of the, one of the key things that I heard in it that really stuck with me of like being a person that's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you haven't done it for a while, like I know, because I've, I've been doing this deep dive, Austin Cleon, Austin Cleon, Austin Cleon, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and um, you know this this notion of kind of leaving things, yeah, you know, leaving things to the side and and not coming back to it or not doing it regularly. I was like, no, I had to keep doing this because if I stop it, if I stop doing it for an extended period of time, or if I leave these muscles, if you will, then when I come back, it's gonna suck for a little bit. And kind of recognizing that. And even if like I I have a pretty torrid recording schedule, so I might do 
15 interviews in a week. And mm. if, if there's like one day, if I take like four or five days off without at least even looking at questions or at least even thinking about it, or even listening to a podcast, that's something that's moving that needle then it's like, I'm not really working at it. So when I talk to someone, when I'm trying to pitch being a consultant or something along those lines, I can come in like, I'm a regular working podcaster. Like when someone's like, I'm a working actor, not I'm waiting for, you know, this big tent pole movie to come out and I'm going to work for like three months or six months or what have you. And then I don't touch anything for a while. I need to constantly be doing it. This is my practice. That's right. Yeah. I love that phrase of work. It, it, it's a, you know, there's a certain romantic romanticism, I think, in what we all do here on this, on this podcast, you know, we're, we're um, crafts people, you know, we, we, we create things and, and shape them and work on them and put them out into the world. And then, and then let's do another one. That's sort of who we are. Right. And I, and I always found a lot of uh, uh, comfort in that, you know, that you always have that process, that work that you can turn Mm. back. Um. And, and always be working on something. And I think uh, it's almost like, a, I mean, in a good way, kind of a disease, you know, like. But you know it, uh, everybody, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's important. I, I think really it's important. And um, yeah, I mean, even when I'm not doing this, I'm, I'm working on the, um, I do a movie review podcast and that takes a very se- separate set of skills. It's very mm-hmm. much centered on me whereas and and with the content of the movie is and all that stuff but this particular podcast it's me trying to like help steer the conversation but it's about the guest you know and i I try to kind of get that over like hey you tell your story however you want to tell it and Mm -hmm. if i can help like shift it in a way that people listening like listeners are like oh okay this is how you would navigate that this is how you go about collaborating and they're actually able to get something about out of it while learning about the artist or whoever the guest is background and their process i think that that's a win for everyone involved that's right yeah process you're saying all the right words (laughs) and that's what tom and i try to i think share with uh, the students we see is uh don't 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 think about that result you know i know it's tempting like oh that sale i'm gonna make or that that award i'm gonna win i hope or whatever but no if you just learn how to make a movie and just are open to that process or to write or just have a great interview you know the, the rest will, will 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 take care of itself i think yeah and, and, and with that, with students, I want to I want to pitch this one over there and again, baseball um, over there to, to, to Tom. So I read that um, Turf Valley is a great example of applying lessons um, learned in the arts classroom um, in a practical sort of application, practice, performance, a profession. Could you share like more about that and how like you you view like working within this um, project and how like in arts education has helped? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, I was at it when you guys were talking, I had to think of um, some, uh, a colleague at work uh, in the theater department at the Baltimore School of the Arts. You know, he said to me something once, like many years ago, he said, um, art is a verb, not a noun. And I was like, oh man, that is so true. Um, and so I think what, what ended up happening is, a, you know, so I, I, Along the way, as I've been teaching, you know, I just always ask myself, like, what could we do? What could we do next? What what could be, you know, I think I found that the thing I didn't like about the high school situation is sometimes it'd be a lot of simulation of projects, you know, pretend, you know, tests or pretend projects or, you know, model UN. But like, I kind of was wondering, like, well, what if you actually 
made something and put it out into the world as a thing, you know, as a real project. And that was sort of like always the sort of philosophy of teaching. And so and then as you're teaching artists, you know, that becomes actually a, a hugely important message because what you're not just cultivating craft, you're cultivating um, one's approach to a journey of create, you know, a creative philosophy or something. Yeah. So um, I, and also I just really felt like, you know, it, it, I could not be a writing teacher if I wasn't writing. I could not be a film teacher if I wasn't making film. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it takes away, you know, certainly I'm sure it impacts, you know, I could be planning more, I suppose, or grading faster or something. But at the end of the day, you know, I have learned so much from making things that I can, you know, bring to my students. And then, you know, the name of the game, at least at the Baltimore School for the Arts, is to connect the kids to the world of the work. I mean, that's what we do. And, um, you know, you can't do that unless you're doing the work, unless you're, you know, working with SAG and raising money and, you know, having to do COVID protocols and, you know, your Maryland tax incentives or whatever crazy things you have to do because you don't want to do, you know, but, you know, you have to do because that's how you make a film. So, you know, both on the writing and the producing side. Um, and so that was actually the greatest part of this was, you know, we hired, uh, film student, uh, students from the Baltimore School of the Arts and from Johns Hopkins and from a couple other colleges. We paid them, yeah. you know, they were getting, they got IMDb credits. Some of them had some pretty sophisticated roles within the crew. So, I mean, I mean, I had been thinking about doing that for years and Turf Valley was the first time I was like, oh, this is what, <laughs> this is what, this is what we've been thinking about. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. That's that's fantastic. Um, uh, just as a quick aside, and I'm going to edit this piece out, I'm probably going to have to run downstairs to get my dinner in a few minutes whenever it arrives. So <laughs> just, just because this is why I keep looking like down. You can probably see my eyes like I'm very interested. Trust me. It's just like, yo, that boyonnaise is coming and I'm going to need that. So. <laughs> but hey, you um, can't speak Italian. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I was seeing that. <laughs> But I'm just looking at the uh, looking at the phone for that. Um, so when it's dropped yeah, it's off, cool. um, yeah. so I, I so I think it would be a good break right here. This last question, and then I'll have the rapid fire um, yep. afterwards. So the last question I have here, and this is where I'll start re-recording, I suppose. Um, so not every idea is a winner, and I know from the from working with others, it's like, oh, okay, this is stupid. We can't do this, or this is going to be a hassle. We don't have the resources for it right now. Maybe it's something that we come back later, or we don't, for whatever reason, it's just not going to work at the moment. How do you know when to cut bait, when to pivot? How do you know when to adjust when you're working creatively, especially when you're collaborating? Yeah, like two, two things come to mind. There were two um, two really big surprises for me on this, on working on Turf Valley. Um, the first one was, uh, first of all, Tom and I had so many ideas for episodes because there were so many conversations, you know, we had both yeah. had that. I think so, I mean, 25 episodes, like 10 minutes. <laughs> endless. Yeah. Like endless. But what we started to realize like that, um, you know, bottom line, we, we were shooting, we were making little movies, little TV episodes and that they, they, they really had to work on a visual level too. You know, they had to be funny, not just sort of uh, the words, but but the but the images. You know, the action the um, had to be funny. And so some of our we had a lot of ideas that got like kind of cool and abstract. You know, that you might literally have a conversation about with somebody, but that ultimately were a little too. You know, 
were too abstract and 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 f- maybe funny to us, but were funny conversationally at a dinner party, but probably didn't you know sort of hold up under scrutiny for a for for an actual episode that you're going to shoot. You know, they were too too heady and not enough visual comedy. You know, like yeah. and so so that became a kind of a, a guiding a, a guidepost for us. I think about the episodes that we did shoot, you know, uh, so we, we had to let go of some things that I think were pretty funny. Tom, Tom and I wrote, we had this one episode about imaginary friends. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I still love that episode. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we might find a way to work it, but at the end we just, we kind of put that to the side as much as we loved it to, to try yeah, to, it was the right choice. The other big surprise, like one of the, you know, one of the ways we, you know, we finance this, this whole show is a combination of uh, investor money and some Kickstarter money, but also we got local businesses to, uh, to invest in our, uh, in our show. And originally we were like, Oh, well maybe we can have that lend the plumber van, you know, sort of up the street, you know, and you know, <laughs> let, pay a, you know, pay a little bit of money to have you know, and, you know, sort of basic product placement. But, but then we discovered some of these small businesses, they wanted to be in the episodes, you know, they thought, Oh, can I, you know, could I have a cameo? What would that look like? So, so the creative thing that did surprise us was, you know, if you have a real estate agent who's really funny and, and wants to, you know, help sponsor the show, but wants to be in the show, you know, can you find a way to integrate that into the storyline in a way that's organic and, uh, and satisfying. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and, and so that was a huge challenge for us. And we, and we eventually, uh, you know, figured out a way to do it just to, yeah, just where, where, um, just to, just to sort of put a, you know, put the cherry on top. I mean, sure. we, we, there were, there were, there were ideas of ours that we loved that we realized weren't, you know, weren't necessarily a great fit for, for the, you know, for visually for what we were trying to do, but, but, but ironically uh, working with these small businesses and helping integrate them into the story and in our, you know, finding ways to make that work became incredibly challenging, but, 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 but really opened our eyes to what, what a, a little television comedy could do, you know, because you don't, you don't want it to stick out. You want it to be funny and feel like it's part of the show. Um, so, so that was really, that was really exciting. And I kind of brought, sort of brought us all together as a community, even in an even stronger way, you know, these, these, um, these local, businesses and services just working with them that was a real surprise we, we it helped financially but it was creatively really stimulating yeah and i would the only thing i would add to that is that you know that i would say there was a time in this project when um you know it, at first it was like many projects where i was just like muscling through scripts and we were writing and i was sending stuff and then suddenly it felt like it was taking us the the project was taking us somewhere. And I think at some really early on, I would begin to start saying things like, well, the show will tell us what to do. Like the show will, you know, and there was like a crazy way of thinking, but, and even still today, you know, you can see, you know, as we're out in the world and we're, you know, you know, talking about the show, you know, opportunities show up and the path forward goes, is there. So what I think what I've learned is that um, number one, that I really don't believe that things that really ever fail. I think really they they come to a state of being or becoming. They always in a state of becoming. And then, and you don't have to be sour about that. Like, you know, and then, you know, it will tell you when it wants something else to happen. Like, you know, that's, I think, will, you know, so I, I've become a little less anxious about that, actually. 
Yeah, there, here's another good story, Rob. Like we yeah. were we were shooting we were shooting all these episodes outside. At some point, it became very clear it was going to rain on a Tuesday. You know, like <laughs> it's going to get really boring having dads with umbrellas and the crew. You know, so <laughs> so we just were like, all right, what do we do? So what we were like, what would dads do? You know, and we were yeah. like, well, dads would probably run into an open garage. You know, so. So like, all right, we'll do that. So we knew it was going to rain. We had them run into the garage. We shot the whole thing in the garage with like sleds and hammers in the background. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. ended up inventing a character out of that. <laughs> yeah. So you know. so the fail, you know, out of failure can come ingenuity if you're open to. It. I think it's easier the older you get to do that. Um, so so not be not being afraid of failure. I mean, yeah. we there were there were the whole chunks of dialogue we would throw out you know you you write it you think it's funny when you're you know you're talking together on a zoom call but then you get actors <laughs> and the actors are like uh you know yeah you can tell it so we 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 were always willing to trim and cut and change and uh, those little micro failures making them better on the fly i think that's that's always really important to creative process too that's right yeah i i, I find it like funny when it's it's not the same but when I might work with a client who wants to do ads or something along those lines. And it's like, yeah, um, so here's kind of like the message. Can you just put it in your voice? I was like, I completely intend to. I don't use those <laughs> words. I, I, don't, I don't say it like that. This is a little too wordy. Or it's like, yep. how many syllables do you think is here? Like, what are we, what are we going for? Or even if um, I, I would do like live reads when I was working with um, a partner and I would do a lot of the writing. I was like, let's workshop. Let's, let's figure out like yeah, what yeah. works, what needs to come out and ultimately recognize like who's it for. And I, and I think one of the things in there about having something that is being adapted, I think a lot of times people don't understand what adaptation is. They, they don't get it. And mm -hmm. you hear a lot about the, the complaints that people will say about, I didn't look this comic book movie or this adaptation or what have you. They did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, Oh, you just don't like adaptations. You, yeah, yeah. You should just stick <laughs> yeah, with the thing. Right. And that's the way I kind of like look at it sometimes. It's like, can we just like maybe keep an account that if we're doing this podcast for sake of argument in front of people, we need to acknowledge the people we're in front of. We're not just looking at each other, you know, with our thumbs in our in our in our mouths and like talking like directly to each other. So we might need to be a little bit more demonstrative in our action and so on. So I think the same thing is it's like, okay, we're filming this. I need to worry about my blocking. I need to know like, okay, I should mm -hmm. be sure on my back. I think these different considerations. And I think is it's one question I've used if this same like sort of idea, whatever the creation is, right? If it were done in a different medium, like um, I, I've used it for like painting. So like if someone did like a small scale painting or sculpture, would you have the same feelings about it if it was a larger scale, if it was a mural, if it's same kind of language was maybe done musically, would you have the same feelings about it? And that's what I think sometimes of if you're doing a web series, if this was a podcast, how would that work? Or if you said, you know what, I'm going to have this as a memoir in books, would it have the same feeling, the same uh, resonance? I think only if it were a musical. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a brief period of time where I was like, yeah, this should be a musical. <laughs> well, that's so, that's so right, though. Like, because an idea, like, first comes the idea, and you got to figure out is that idea a poem? Is it a, is it a song? Is it a, yeah. is it a movie? Is it a, is it a, a novella? You know, like trying to, yeah, figure out what it is before yeah. you, and hopefully before you spend a year on the poem and realize like, it's not a poem, you know, and it should be something else. But um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we finally discovered what we, uh, I think what we discovered, what, what this is essentially, it's like the inverse of peanuts. Like, <laughs> like peanuts, you see the kids, but never the grownups, but yeah, yeah. you know, they're there. Like in here, it's like, you see the dad, you don't really see the kids, but it's sort of like you see the dads and you know, the kids are there somewhere. Yeah, but that's right. That's right. A comic book. That was, it almost, because, you know, the graphic designer um, sort of presented the characters as drawn at first. And so it just had a, a little bit of a comic vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I, I think that at some point I was like, Oh yeah, I wanted to make a children's book version of turf valley remember that and i wanted to have charles mann reading the children's book to idiot to kids and be like and they were three idiots but they managed to pull it together that's funny that's funny so i guess this is this is that good point where we can move into the latter section of the podcast oh, yeah. it's time for some rapid fire questions podcast food <laughs> i got four of them for you um and you know how you know how it works you know let's not overthink it um all right. So, and this this is back and forth. This, these are for both of you because there's not yeah. nothing separate in here at this point. Um, start off with a softball, baseball again. Uh, salty or sweet? Salty. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm okay. telling you, good partners. Not, That's why. Not, not that salty isn't isn't uh, on my mind, Rob, but you're <laughs> making me choose. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, I'm going to say this last one. I'm going to say that one. Uh, Jeez, would, you, Louise. would you rather sleep in late or take a long nap midday? A uh, long nap midday. Mm. Spoken like a dad. I like it. Spoken like a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long nap. Uh, that's the honest answer, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I'm with you. Agreed. Yeah. It's it's like you're 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 dipping back in. It's like I'm gonna steal a little time right here with this nap. But if you yeah. if you if you oversleep, you stay in. It's like I am a lazy pos. What am I doing? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Like one's lazy and one's naughty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'd rather be naughty. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a naughty guy. That's I'd right. Be naughty, wouldn't you? Rather be naughty than lazy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, name three great. This is this has been a great one. Name three great TV dads, and I'll even throw mine in. I'll, I'll be I'll be the I'll add the the black TV dads. I'll make that that, that criteria for myself because I've been, I've thought about this one a lot. By the way, oh. can I name a black TV dad? Because no, no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, well, James Senior from Good Times when I was a kid. I mean, right? I mean, I mean, he scares the bejesus out of me. But yeah, he, he was so, yeah. He was so like patient and wise and, uh, you know, just a little bit outrageous. And I loved I, him so, so much. I mean, it's so crazy, but you know, you, I mean, when I was a kid, it was Bill Cosby. I mean, Bill Cosby was the dad of all dads. I mean, it's just such a, that's what's such a tragedy and such a heartbreak about how his career went. But um, I mean, there was no other TV dad in my life other than Bill Cosby. I mean, mm -hmm. that show was just like the gravity of that show is so huge. What was the right, I got one. This is a, <laughs> we're, we're, looking, we're looking for three. I mean, it can be between the two of you. It can be three. I'm between the two of you. Yeah. And this, I, I always like this one because of the way he treated, he, he treated uh, his son kind of like really like, like he, he, he wasn't afraid to, 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 to just be very frank and very honest and very open, but, but I know it's an old show, but Andy Griffith, man, like, mm, like, yeah. like, like Andy, you know, he, he just always seemed to have the right way of saying something. And I, I, I like that. Oh, Mr. He, Cunningham. 
Mr. Cunningham. Remember Tom Bosley? Is that the name of the actor? Tom Bosley. Tom Bosley, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Cunningham. Yeah. He would go upstairs with Marion sometimes. You know, that was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, so I I'll throw mine's out there because Carl Winslow. Uh, for family matters. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Philip Banks from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Right. And, nice. la- oh, yeah. and, and lastly, uh, I, I got to put in there. Um, this is this is more new, but I think when you get multiple seasons, you kind of get it. Um, Andre Johnson from uh, Blackish. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's, that's a great. That's a great. That, he's a great model for that. Because I mean that's closest to me because that's literally me and my dad's relationship with him and Lawrence Fishburne. So it was just like, oh, this is great. This is this is just wonderful. <laughs> that's right. He's really captured too that that mixture of that the 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 funny, the outrageous, the impatient. You know, just that whole mix. It's great. All right. So this is the last one. This is the one I've been holding on to. Um, and based on what uh, <laughs> what Adam said earlier, this is great. Um, name a four letter word that starts off with F. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a trick question. It's just literally Bonk. a four. <laughs> Bunk. Thank you. Do you have one, Adam? This is good. This is really Jungian. I feel like we're going psycho. It's like psychotherapy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Be quick. No, fuck. Of course, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> of course, fuck. I mean, and look, you know, it's, uh, I, I, you know, because George Carlin, I think George Carlin uh, had it right, that there are no bad words. They're, they're, if people, certain people can get upset about certain words, which is okay, you know, but like, the you know, the word, word. the word feels great. I mean, it feels great feels saying great. that word, you know, and uh um, this show had a ton of fuck. Tour really had a ton of fucks in it, by the way. And then, like one by one, we're the same. It's just retraction, retraction. Yeah, yeah. Redacted. So, so like, really, now there's like a subtext of fuck yous, like running through. That's great. <laughs> what we did, we had the uh, we had the neighborhood censor the like you know at one point. One of the characters kind of drops it, and and you, you hear these dogs barking. It's like the Turf Valley. You know? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Oh, oh, I love oh. it. I love it. My, mine's was uh, food because I'll be eating dinner in the next few minutes. Again, four yes, letters. So will I. So yeah. will I. Yes, lovely. So, so what's that? Well, film, um, right? Film, film, see? Film, film. Yes. Oh man, that's my second, right up there. Film. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a close. It's a, it's a big gap though between first and second. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that being said, um, I want to thank you both for coming onto this podcast. This has been oh, a treat. Man, this you. has been a great way to wrap up a Monday. And um, it's Monday. Yeah, it is Monday for, for some of us. <laughs> for some of dubs. us. <laughs> but um, in that, uh, I want to again thank you both for coming on. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell us where everything is at the social media, the websites, the the YouTube, all of the stuff. The web, yeah. Let us know. The floor is yours. Well, uh, you can stream the Turf Valley Show for free on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and and uh, use your digits or single digit to type in Turf Valley Turf Valley Show. Um, it'll pop up. You can also um, go to our website, turfvalleyshow.com. But YouTube's the easiest way to get there. They're all free. They're short, six, seven minutes each. Um, if you need a laugh in the late July, uh, we hope you'll give it, a, give it a shot. You can binge the whole show in an hour. You'll feel like a million bucks. It's great. <laughs> it's great. So 
There you have it, folks. I want to again thank Adam and Tom from Turf Valley thank for coming you. on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying there's art and culture in and around Baltimore. Uh, you just got to look for it. <laughs>